what, what I sense the Lord saying today is that he desires for us to see. He, it's not enough just to know it. He wants us to see it. He wants us to see him. You're like, you can't see God, Jamin. Totally off limits. You'll be destroyed. Not true. Not true at all, because that's a scripture from the Old Testament with Moses, and you'll see when God told Moses that, that he actually did show himself. But there are certain areas of, because how big is God, right? Can you see God? Can you see the things that God wants you to see? He wants us to see him. He wants us to see the things. He doesn't want us to just know. He wants us to see. Now, is faith believing without seeing? It is, but guess what faith turns into? Sight. Faith becomes sight. Faith doesn't just stay unseen. It be, actually turns into something. When God said, let there be light, oh, there it is, light, right? Because faith turns into sight. And then it becomes tangible reality in your life. And I believe that God wants to reveal and for us to actually see. Like if even in the book of James, it says, you know, if somebody's not doing good. It's not enough to just say, hey, be warmed and well-fed. Do something. (laughs) Do something about it. Well, God's no different. He doesn't want us to just know about it. He wants us to experience it. He wants us to experience it because when you experience a thing, you don't forget it. You don't forget it. We want to be taught, but God teaches us through what we experience. What we're experiencing right now is teaching us something. It's teaching me as I screwed up. No, it's not. It's teaching you something about the love of God, about his nature, about his kindness, about his grace, about how we can always trust in him and that he will never, ever, ever fail us. Now, we try to trust ourselves and kind of 50-50 it with the Lord sometimes. And the 50-50 don't work out because your 50 falls over. <laughs> His 50 doesn't. So why don't we go with 100? And then we won't fail because he doesn't fail. I say go all in. If you're going to do this thing, do it. Don't just half do it. That's what I've decided in my heart. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to. And you know what? It costs me sometimes. It does cost you when you go 100% with him. Sometimes people may not like what you say. They may not like, like as a minister, they may not like what I teach. Why is that? Because I went all in. What did I go all all in on? I went all in on what God went all in on on me. I'm just reciprocating his 100% for me. I'm reciprocating that 100% back to him. And in doing that, God said, let me show you what this looks like. See it with your eyes. Experience it. Experiencing the love of God, not just hearing about it. He's bringing us into these places where we can enjoy the seeing of it. God is a spirit, right? Can you see a spirit with these eyes? You can't. But, you can, but Jesus, even when he was doing the very beginning teachings of the spirit, he was saying, you also can't see the wind but you can see what the wind does. So if you want to say, what does God look like in the physical world? Well, look at what it does. Look at what he does, right? What does the wind do? What does the spirit do? Jesus said the spirit brings life. You see life, the spirit is moving. 
you see death, the spirit is not there. <laughs> because think about it like this. When a person dies, what happens? The spirit leaves their body. And what happens to the body? It dies. Because the spirit brings life, and without the spirit is just death. Right? It's very clear in the scripture. Everywhere you see that there is spirit, there is life. God brings life to the plants. He brings life. It's his spirit, not the, the plants don't have a spirit. It's God's spirit that brings life to everything around us. Things grow. Things are nurtured because they are being engaged with in the right way. You know, if I'm building a, a house and there's vegetation there, guess what happens to the vegetation? <laughs> It's gone. It's dead. Why is that? Because it's not a part of what I'm building. Now, once I build my house, then I replant vegetation and it comes back. Because everything has a purpose. Everything has a time and a season. And there's things that happen at different times. But, but when you step back and you allow the Lord to show you what's happening, you can see the entire picture. We like to micro-focus on certain things. And when we do, we lose the big picture. We say... I, you know, like, don't make decisions on things that just changed that are opposite of what God's spoken to your heart. If God speaks something to your heart, and you're like, oh, the situation changed, it must not have been God. How do you know? Maybe it wasn't, but maybe it still is, and you're actually dealing with a temporary thing. And, you know, and this is, the, and like I said, these are things that I ha also, I have to deal with that too. Oh, this didn't work. It must have not been God. That's not true. Think about Jesus. Do you think his situation looked like it worked? <laughs> you had to see with not these eyes, but with the eyes of the Spirit. I mean, he had 12 disciples, and one of them was a, was a devil. <laughs> like, literally, the devil. <laughs> so, <laughs> you could say, well, you know, Jesus just had 12, and one of them was a devil. But what just happened? The whole world filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. The whole earth was covered with the gospel. By the time that the apostle Paul was martyred, the entire known world was blanketed with the message of the gospel from end to end. The entire known world at that time had heard the message of the gospel. That is a miracle. And Paul himself was responsible for most of that the Apostle Paul. But it wasn't really the Apostle Paul. It was the Spirit of God in the Apostle Paul that he was working with, co-laboring with, and the message of the gospel spread through the whole world. And how do I know that? Well, first of all, Paul said it. Secondly, other apostles and other disciples of Paul said that. I read St. Clement, who was, who was actually one of the um, people that followed the disciples. He was one of their disciples. And he talked about that fact, that the whole earth was completely covered with the gospel. So there we had the whole gospel, and then the end came, which was the 70 AD destruction of Jerusalem. So we knew that that happened. You know, so what is this that's in us? Christ in us. What does he want to do? He wants to reveal, he wants to show us the stuff too. He doesn't want us just to go, oh yeah, one day I'll see. He says, open your eyes and look. Engage with God now. Don't keep pushing these things off. He's here, he's in us, he's with us. He wants us to see. Now, in John 1, 1, okay, I want to show you a few things. God desires, God's desire for us is that we see him. That we see him. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like in, a, in, a, in any good relationship, 
You want the other person to see you. I mean, it's true, right? I mean, you, you say, oh, we have a great relationship. Well, when's the last time you've seen him? Well, I don't know. It's been about 25 years. Well, in a good relationship, to see a person, to be able to engage with them physically, to see them. Again, this is why groups are good, too, because you can see each other, you know? When you have your ecclesia group, your, your church group is getting together and that sharing of the graces of God, it's an important piece. It's not your relationship with God, obviously. I mean, you can't replace your relationship with God with a group, but the groups are important. But that's where this, this mingling of the Spirit, this, this coming together of the graces of God produces um, exponential power, okay? So exponential experiences with God happen when there is a, um, a coming together of, of people. So in John 1, 1, it says, In the very beginning, this is the Passion Translation, in the very beginning, the living expression was already there. So this is the Word. This is the Logos, wh- who's you know, talking about Jesus. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. And I like this too. It's a living expression. It's a living expression. There's an expression of God, an outworking of him in the earth, an expression of who he is. This is the seeing part. (laughs) This is the seeing. You can see him. You can see God. Now look at this. They were together face to face in the very beginning. Face to face. Face to face, that's pretty close. (laughs) So this is, right, when you're seeing him face to face, your relationship with him, this is his heart for us, that we see him, that we actually see him face to face. And and, and you might ask, well, what does that look like? Am I going to see him in a dream? Maybe. Am I going to see him in a vision? Maybe. Am I going to see an expression of him outworking in physicality in the natural world? Yes, you are. And you are seeing it right now. And so what God is doing is stirring us to remember, to look, and then you can see him. Now, there are dimensions in creation. You do know this. Well, we know about three dimensions, right? We have length, height, and width. You know, length, width, and height. You know, you have that. This is how we know that this is this, and I can grab it, because I can see the dimensions and that and that this particular cup here is giving off a frequency. It's vibrating. And the way that it vibrates, it's solid. Yep, it's solid. Some things don't vibrate where they're solid. This is not solid. It's vibrating too, but it's air. And it vibrates at a different frequency than that cup. I can't grab the air, but I can grab the cup. Okay? So we have, but that's still a dimension. That's three that's a three part of the three dimensions, okay? But there are other dimensions. There are other realms, other dimensions that you cannot see because the cones in your eyes are are tuned to a specific type of frequency, okay, to see certain things, okay? But you have other eyes. (laughs) It's called the eye of your heart. heart. The eyes of your heart. And with the eyes of your heart, you can see other things, Okay. Now, people say, other things, that sounds pretty spooky, Jamin. You know, is it Casper the Friendly Ghost? You know, but what it is, is it's, it's our ability. So, so our sight is fully realized in Christ. Apart from him, it is a scary sight. It is. You imagine 
being three years old, going with your parents to the mall or to a fair, and they left, and you're by yourself, would you not be afraid? Welcome to the world of seeing without Christ. You are going to be afraid because you don't know what you're looking at. That could be a friend. That could be an enemy. That person, you're three years old, could try to kidnap you. Or that person could be one of your relatives. You don't know because you're only three. And that's what people do when they try to engage in the spirit apart from Christ. They could get kidnapped. <laughs> there could be some scary things that happen because they're engaging with sight apart from Christ. So when I share, you can see, you know, I'll get one side. You can't tell people that, Jamin. They're going to just see demons. No, they're not. They love Jesus. Jesus is going to show them his heart for them and the things that are around them. Teach the gospel, people. Are you saved? Are you in him or are you not? You know, that would be my counteraction to that. Because we know him. Look with the eyes of your heart in the spirit and see. I'll tell you one reason why a lot of religious teaching is against that. It's because when you start to look, you're going to see the religious demons. And they are nasty. And a lot of people operate in those. Mm -hmm. It's a control demon. But God sets us free. It's going to be okay. <laughs> so we can see with the cones in the eyes, color, dimension, things like that. But we have other forms of sight. My dog can see with his nose. <laughs> I get a thing. I put it out on the counter. I open it up. If it's any form of meat at all, or peanut butter, no matter where he is, he jumps up and runs in there. Why is that? Because his nose is as good as seeing. His nose, if it's coming through his nose, it's like he's looking at it right in front of him because that's his sense. Now, that's still part of our five senses, okay? But we have more than five senses. But those senses need to be trained. They can't, they're there, but if they aren't used, they get they get, yeah, it's like we forget how to use them, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of times, like when you're, let's say, you know, for, for a lot of modern Christians, our modern church culture, we really engage with God in the frequency of worship and, and the words that come up and, and people become like, when you start to worship God, what ends up happening is you become aware of him. Okay, you become aware. He's all around you. And then, this, and then the sound and the frequency and the music come up to God. And that's, and that's excellent. That's exactly how it is in heaven, too. They worship. There's a frequency. There's a sound that comes from heaven. And people go up into this place of worship to God. It is the absolute highest level of existence is in worship to God. It's the very highest level. To be in the presence of God is the very best of the best. There is nothing higher than that. It is amazing. Okay? And so what happens is, is as we're training ourselves to become aware of him, becoming aware of his presence, we can live in that place and never leave. Never, ever leave. Never, ever be in a spot where, you know, you could have a worship song or you could not have a worship song, but you're already in. <laughs> you're already there. You're already aware of God and, and, and you can see him. You can see him all around. And you're like, what is going on? So let's go back to the scripture. So, so, because like, you know, people like prove it, Jamin. So here I go. I'm going to prove it. All right. You ready? <laughs> Everybody wants you to prove something. Prove this, prove that. Okay, fine. I'll prove it. 
So in John, in John 1, well, again, I just said you want to see, so let's see it in the Scripture first, okay? So does God want us to see? He does. And when I get this to work again, I'll let you know. Here we go. Come on. Come back to me. I know how to do it. I can do it. Okay? Now. Eh, it just goes back and forth. All right, so... In the very beginning, we talked about the living expression. That's John 1.1. 1, 1. They were together, face to face, in the very beginning. Face to face, in the very beginning. And through his creative inspiration, this living expression made all things. For nothing has existence apart from him. So in other words, you know, in, in the Passion Translation here, he's using the word the living expression. In other ones, you'll see the word. You know, the word made all things. In other places, you'll see the logos, you know, the logic of God made all things. It's talking about Jesus. And how do I know that? Because if you keep going, you'll see that the, the living expression or the word or the logos of God became a man. <laughs> Jesus. Okay? And why? He wants us to see him. He wants us to know him. God became flesh. In a body, in a physical flesh and blood body. Now, the Jews had a hard time with that. They had so much of a hard time with that, they actually crucified the body, which is who is Jesus, right? So, through his creative inspiration, this living expression made all things. For nothing has existence apart from him. So, again, we're going all the way back to the very beginning to the very beginning, and we're looking at what he did. So he did this from the very beginning. So substance was created. Mm -hmm. Nothing is here that was not come that did not come from him. Everything comes from him. Everything. Life came into being because of him, for he is life, for his life is light for all humanity. And this living expression is the light that bursts through gloom, the light that darkness could not diminish. Okay? So here we see this entire beginning here. This is the, the Apostle John, okay? Describing from the beginning that the Logos, the Word, Jesus himself, everything comes from him. Everything. Everything that has been created has been created by him and for him. Okay? He is the ultimate expression of God. God expressed himself in physicality. He gave us eyes to see so that we could know that this was a cup because he wanted us to see what he did. He is expressing himself through the things that he has made as well. So, just, so even in the five physical senses, God is everywhere. <laughs> he, his expression is all over the place. You cannot run away from him. He is everywhere. You can be like, I don't want to hear about God. Let me go outside and sit under this palm tree. Too late, dude. You already just experienced God underneath the palm tree. You can keep your bad attitude if you want, but he still loves you. His expression comes to everything he makes. Now, man has twisted some of that, obviously. We made a nuclear bomb. That was not in God's plan. You know, there's certain things that we did that was a little sketchy. <laughs> and what is that? That's sin. It's, a, it's a, the infection of sin on the, on the planet. But Jesus set us free from that. 
Unfortunately, some people still engaged in it. Why? Because they didn't know any better, right? But as we engage more with God, as we see him as he is, as we look upon him, look at what he did. Look at what he did. You're like, you see a person, you're like, oh, wow, look at that family. They're so lovely. That's the Lord. Look at that, look at that person over there just enjoying their day. I'm so thankful to God for that. You see what I'm saying? Look at that wickedness. No, I'm not going to look at that wickedness. <laughs> That's not God. Only look at God. Don't look at not God. Because this is the thing, and I, and I got this from, um, I think it was St. Uh, Teresa. Okay, St. Teresa of Avila. So St. Teresa, no, it was, uh, I'm sorry. It was um, Julian of Norwich. So Julian of Norwich is another, you know, saint. And um, she said, uh, she asked God about sin. She's like, well, what about sin? Because she, she's having these showings. It's called the showings, okay, where Jesus is showing her stuff. And that's a whole book right there. If you ever want to read that, read Julian of Norwich. She's, she's a Catholic saint, but she had these experiences with Jesus that were just amazing. And she called them the showings. Nobody really knows who she is. She lived in this little hut. She lived in the middle of the Black Plague. And so she had this these experiences with Jesus. Because she said, Jesus, I want to experience you. I don't just want to know about you. I want to have these experiences with you. And so Jesus brought her through these different showings. And they kept building and building and building. And I've been teaching on this on Tuesday. Some of our Tuesdays I teach on Julian of Norwich. And, and, and she was having all these experiences with Jesus. She, she was actually seeing you know, him on the cross. And she was seeing the blood that he shed. And she was seeing all of these amazing like visions and encounters with God that she was seeing with the eyes of her understanding being enlightened like the scripture says and then she said one day she goes what about sin what about it and jesus is like what about it he says it's nothing his blood cleansed the whole earth and and so she realized that it and he and he called it i think he either did or she did called it a not thing it's a thing that's not in in essence it's nothing and so why would we focus on nothing when we can focus on him who is everything? Because everything comes from him. Everything was created by him and everything was created for him, right? So why not put our focus on something, the thing, everything, who is him and completely disregard sin? Because it's nothing. And the other way that I like to see it, which is the way God showed me, is if it doesn't exist in heaven, it doesn't exist at all. <laughs> and sin does not exist in heaven. So why acknowledge it in any way? You know, and a lot of times preachers get, you got to get up there and preach against sin. Why? Jesus solved it. He took care of it. Well, what if somebody says, well, just stop. <laughs> you can stop. Jesus has empowered you to stop because he's given you power over sin. But I'm struggling. Use the word of God. Use who you are in Christ. Remind yourself every time. Remind yourself of who you are. You are not sin. You are not a, an old sinner. You are righteous. You are holy. You are a son of God, a child of God, right? And then live out of that. And don't take nothing for an answer. Just be like, you're a nothing. I'm not paying attention to you. You know, I, I posted last night that the Bible says, if something causes you to sin, run away from it. <laughs> Just run away. They're like, oh, no, I'm strong. No, run away. It's nothing. Why give it your time and attention? Just completely get, it, get rid of it. 
completely. If it's something online, you're looking at stuff online or whatever you shouldn't be looking at, just get rid of that whole thing. Just gone. Where'd it go? It's nothing. I'm not looking at nothing. Jesus is everything. Okay? Doesn't mean I have to sit, pray, and woo. No. Enjoy the Lord in Him. Be, a, be with Him in whatever it is that you're doing. Is, is Jesus going to be looking at that? No, He's not looking at that. Nothing. Get rid of that crap, right? And that's what it is, really. But live out of your identity of who you really are. See, we live out of these expressions that are not God's expression. His expression is our true expression. That's what we're learning. That's what we're learning, okay? We're learning this, right? When I was a child, I thought my expression was running around the house and, you know, playing all day and doing all this kind of stuff. But when I got older, I realized, well, actually, that's not what I do, right? Same thing in the spirit. When you're little, you don't understand. But as you're being trained and taught, again, do do you want to see? Yes, you do. And can you see? Yes, you can. I'm just answering the question for you because I know the answer. Because God put it in each one of us, the desire to see him, the desire to know him. Now, can I use my imagination? You can. You can. Now, is it a, it's a starting spot for sure because there's more to it than just your imagination. It's like a bridge from here to there. But you can definitely start in an imagination on the higher thing. People imagine stuff all the time. What do you think fear is? It's an imagination. <laughs> a vain one, a false imagination. Why not imagine the reality of Christ in you? Because here's the thing. This living expression is the light that bursts through the gloom, the light that darkness could not diminish. See, the light, when it says light, it's not like I'm going to let my little light shine. Light is revelation. What is it revelation about? See, this is the whole thing that... It, it's the message that's the important thing. People get on about translations and which book of the Bible and which one, and is it the Apocryphal? It's the message that's the thing. When you see that message and you see the message of the cross, you see the message of our redemption, that Christ has brought us in, that we are in a, a kingdom, a kingdom, it's humongous kingdom of heaven. And in heaven, is all, we're all there. Everybody's there. It's an amazing place, and we're a part of this. And this is what you see in the book of Enoch. You see this in Jubilees. You see it in all these different books, and you're saying, well, well, I'm going to complain about this, and I don't think this is right. What's the message that God is speaking to you? Because it's the message, and this is where he says it's the expression. This is the living expression of God in the earth. Like I always say, you know, I go outside, you enjoy the Lord, and you hear the water going, and you hear the wind blowing through the leaves, and you're, you can sense the presence of God. Well, is that an anointed tree or an anointed brook? No, God put himself in the things that he created. Now, you don't worship a tree, you don't worship a brook, but you're aware of him in it. You're aware of him in everything, because he wants to be seen by us. He wants us to open our eyes and to look and to see him. You know, and, and if you look, too, in, in, in the Gospels, and they have these, um, let me show you this, um, too. This is a very, um, this is a very interesting, let me, I'm going to show you this. <clears throat> Mark, turn to the uh, Gospel of Mark. 
Okay, and, and, and this is also an interesting thing. If you'll notice in the Bible, okay, you're going to see that a lot of um, miracles have to do with sight. I mean, people who couldn't see could see. And again, remember we talk about the Bible having four levels of, of translation. The Peshat, the, um, the Henson Allegory. And we went, went over this in the, in the Dreams Conference. And then um, you have Henson, you have Allegory, and then you have Sowed. So some of this is mysteries in, in, inside of the Gospels too. Okay? So some of these mysteries are why, you know, why blind people? <laughs> well, there's a reason. God wants us to see. He wants us to see what's happening. So in Mark 8:23, okay, it says this. It says, Jesus led him, okay, let me see. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, begging him to touch him and heal him. So Jesus led him as his sighted guide outside the village. He placed his saliva on the man's eyes and covered them with his hands. Then he asked him, now, do you see anything? Yes, he said, my sight is coming back. I'm beginning to see people, but they look like trees, walking trees. Now, you've probably heard this before, okay? But I want you to know he's transitioning, okay, from not seeing to seeing. What is he seeing walking like trees? <laughs> So he's moving from not seeing to seeing, and he's going through, I would like to present this, a different other dimension. He's actually not seeing the physical people yet. He's in another, he's seeing other things. So Jesus put his, you know, so what I'm letting you know is that sight is, is dimensional. It's dimensional sight. You can see with the eyes of your heart too. And, and, and they can, once you're connected in the spirit, you can see through these physical eyes the things that are spiritual. You can. It does happen. Now, at the beginning, it's an impression. You're having an impression. I have an impression of this. I have an impression of that. An impression, just a sense in your, in your heart that there's something going on, a feeling of something. You know, you, and you get this all the time. Everybody does. Now, people who are more, um, at, you know, trained it to do it more often, they can immediately tell. Like sometimes people would go, like you meet people and be like, oh, I went into that store, I went into that place, and I just, oh, I didn't have a good feeling, so I left. Well, why is that? Well, it's because there's something in your spirit. You're picking up on some negative frequency that's happening there, and it's just not good. So you you wanted to leave because you're because you're you're sensing it. You're not afraid. You're just like something's not right, and I'm gonna go somewhere else. You know, and but you can trust that. That's your spirit. You know, and as you train that more and more. Now, I will tell you this: guys don't do this as much as girls, for whatever reason. Usually, guys aren't tuned in, and the girls are. So the guys are ask the girl, and the girl's like, "Well, I don't know about that, you know." Or, or yeah, let's do this, you know. So we kind of balance each other out, you know. Um, but everyone has this, and so this guy is seeing trees. Well, I don't. I'm not as big of a, as a tree, but he was seeing something as big as trees. So then he's like, "Okay, first sight done." So Jesus put his hands over the man's eyes a second time and made him look up. The man opened his eyes wide and he could see everything perfectly. His eyesight was completely restored. So we have this. So again, Jesus wants people to see physically. 
He wants us to see with the eyes of our heart. He wants us to see him. Wouldn't you want people to see you? You know what I'm saying? We want to be seen. Why do we want to be seen? That's a God attribute. We want to be seen. Why does everyone take a picture of themselves on Instagram? Because they want people to see them. And they want to see them in their best light too, right? That's why they have the photo editors, okay? People want to be seen because they want to feel acknowledged. People have a sense in their hearts, I need to be acknowledged. I need to know that I'm important. And so what the Spirit of the Lord says is you are acknowledged and you are important and I see you and you can see me. Isn't that amazing? God wants us to see him. And then we don't have any question in our heart. One of the most powerful experiences that I ever had in the visionary state was when Jesus saw me and then he smiled. He didn't even say anything at that time. Yep, yep. No. Well, again, in... Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and God, you got to understand another thing, too. If you read in the book of Revelation about the New Jerusalem, which is heaven, it's the other word for heaven, the New Jerusalem, it says very clearly there that the gates are never shut. So we have this thing about St. Peter at the pearly gates, and I get you. That's a, that's a neat little thought. But the Bible doesn't say that. It just says the gates are always open. If you can see the gates, you can go through them. If you see the gates, you can go through them. Did you hear what I'm So you get it, right? He wants us to see so that we can go in. He wants us to see so that we can go in. He wants us to know, but he also wants us to see. We have a lot of knowing and a little bit of seeing. He wants it to be seeing and knowing. The Spirit of God is showing us and revealing things to us so we can see them, so we can walk in them, so we can do them. Why do you think we have the Scriptures? It's so we can see something. So that we have something there that we can look at. They actually had them put them on tassels, write the Scriptures down. Why are we writing Scriptures down? So we can see. But I'm letting you know that's stage one. There's other seeing, and you see it in the scriptures itself. It's, what are you seeing in the scripture? Daniel's vision, Ezekiel's vision, Isaiah's vision, Jonah, you know, Jonah even. I mean, everybody is seeing in the spirit. Why are we seeing those scriptures? Because God wants us to know we can go up to a higher frequency, and we can see in a higher frequency, in a higher realm. Not just sense it, but actually see it. And so when you know that you're seen, because you, you, it means a lot to know that you're seen. It does. It means a lot. That you are seen by someone else. And that that seeing that you have, that person, loves you. When you start, you can only see this much. When you come out of your mother's womb, you're like, it's little, it's little tiny bits, right? But when you look up at your parents... And you see their face. You see, my dad told me the other day, he said, uh, when you were born, you looked at me. And when you looked at me, you had a look of recognition. Okay? You see, you see with more than this. 
Okay? So I saw him. We can see each other, not just with these eyes, but with the eyes of our heart. We can see God desires for us to see. He, he heals the blind man to show us, I am restoring your sight. I am restoring your sight to see the things that I have done and to see me. And so this is the higher place that God wants to, listen, I'm fine with whatever people want to do. You know what I'm saying? Some people, like you said, the nuns, they just said, ah, no, we just do this. Okay, well, that's fine. If you're enjoying the Lord down there and just that's the things you do, that's fine. But the Lord himself is telling us, you know, you just, just you know, this is what the Lord's telling us. There's more if you're interested. <laughs> okay. Some people, like you said at the beginning, some people are not interested because they're afraid. That you tell them that there's an unseen world, they're like, ooh, that sounds scary. You know, like the, what is it, the upside down in, uh, in uh, Stranger Things, right? That's a scary world. <laughs> you don't want to go to the upside down. That's scary, right? There's monsters there. But that's because you didn't go with your parents, you're, and you're not in an upside down world. You're in the kingdom of the son of his love. And it's a kingdom of peace, and it's a kingdom of joy. Are, is there an upside down? Yeah, there actually is an upside down. <laughs> it's a terrible place. It's called the second heaven. And, and honestly, we can rule from heaven over those areas. But we don't go to the second heaven. We go, and I'm using, again, the terminology is loose because it can mean different things. But what I'm talking about is the scary stuff. Okay, if you just kind of summarize it. The scary stuff, invisible. We don't mess with that area. There's no need to. Jesus defeated all, uh, any powers that were in that scary place, any power at all. Jesus completely obliterated their power. Like, like his actual, when he rose from the dead, okay, light, as we know, it says it right here, light, light came forth from him. And we find when you study the scriptures that the light was so bright and so strong that all of them mean guys that were trying to eh, with Jesus, they were disfigured. They don't even look the same anymore. And so they're just not very nice, but they don't have any power over you. You sit with Christ. When you're seated with him in your heart, in, in heaven, in the heavenly places, you don't have to be afraid because you're with your father. You're with the son. You're with the spirit. And they are the ones that encapsulate you in their love, right? They encapsulate you in the joy and in the peace. And you can sit in that place of rest and you don't have to be afraid of the scary upside down. You can now walk in the freedom and liberty of being a son of God. Because listen, there are things in the world that aren't right. They're just not right. And so what do we do? We share the good news with the world. You are loved. You are accepted. You are a son of God. The doors are open. And some of them will be like, I'm not interested in going through the doors. They'll be like, you will be. <laughs> you will be, right? Because God's love is unrelenting. He never stops. If you are in the worst spot, that so basically it's like this. When you were the worst, the Bible says, when you were absolutely the worst you possibly could be, in your worst condition, the most rebellious you've ever been to God, the worst things you've ever done, at that point, that's when Christ died for you. 
He didn't die for you when you were doing your best. He died for you when you were at your worst, the very worst of anything you ever thought. You know why? Because he wants you to know that that isn't you. You are identified in him. You are realized in him, not in the things that you do. Everybody wants to identify with their actions. I did this, that makes me this. I did that, that makes me that. No, it doesn't. Your identity comes from him. People get very confused about identity because they're like, well, I did a bad thing, I must be bad. You're not bad. <laughs> You're good. Let God define you. He is our definition. And how did he define us? Jesus. What do you look like? You look just like Jesus. Well, what if I'm not acting like Jesus? You're forgetting that you are Jesus. <laughs> you just forgot. So just remember, remind yourself, and then be open to look. Look with the eyes of your heart. So are there things that we can look at? Yes, there are things we can look at. Now, if you say, I haven't seen very many things, well, there's something you can do. You can say, God, can you show me more things so I can see more things with you? That's all you have to do. It's a real simple little prayer. You can ask him and he'll show you more things. And then in your heart, kind of anticipate. I'm going to look. Maybe I'm going to see some more today. You know, one of the things that can happen as you kind of stay in the presence of God and enjoy God, you actually end up seeing him a lot. And you tell people that and they're like, oh, wow, how do you do that? But it's not really hard. It's kind of just a, it's, I call it a default position. It's a default position. If you go into the default position of seeing God, you'll see him everywhere. But if you're in the default position of it's just me, I'm down here really low on the earth and there's only natural things and that's all you're going to say. It's just a position that you put yourself in, a position that you're thinking in your own mind. You know, this is what I can, this is all I can see, you know. But again, don't go to the fair and leave your parents because you're going to be in a scary place. So don't try to go see apart from Christ, see in him. And the first thing you should see is Christ. And here he is. He's just loving you. <laughs> he is awesome. And he is just beaming. And his love is, his love is so overwhelming in our lives. It's so overwhelming. Always start in the place that I am loved by God. I am loved by him. People are trying to fix everybody's behavior. And that's not what it's about. It's about the sense of being loved by God. Let God show you who you are. Let God show you. Now, it's in the Bible. Well, yeah, it's in the Bible, but it's also in your relationship with him. People get off. What, and what, when do they get off? They get off doctrinally. Why do they get off doctrinally? Because they replace the love of God with commandments. The commandments of men. Commandments that men made up. They're not in the Bible. God didn't tell people to do those things. They did. And they replaced their relationship with God with a bunch of laws. And church can turn into that very easily, very easily. It's actually fine-tuned to do that. Do this at church. You do that. You do the other thing. You do the other thing. And God is just like, hey, let me show you. And he just dismantles that whole thing. And you're like, well, what do I have now? And he's like, ta-da! You have me. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And, and so we, and, and you know, depending on how long you've been in church or whatever, you create all these religious structures in your head. And then one day you can have what happened to me happen where he just basically dismantled all of it. And I was like, huh, what do I have? And he's like, me, <laughs> you've got me. And I'm like, hey, wasn't that the point? He's like, yes, it was. Now let's go on an adventure together.
You see, let's go on an adventure. Let me show you the freedom I've given you to be a son of God. Leaving all of these rules, leaving all of these, they're like, oh no, you have to have, you have to have this, Jamin. You have to have that. You have to do this thing. You have to do. I don't have to do any of those things. You don't understand. <laughs> that's just. Now, and some people may feel like that's what God wants them to do, and and He'll work with us on what we're comfortable in a lot of times. And I and I totally understand that. And I'm not, you know, gonna like. And we shouldn't condemn people anyway, but I'm not going to be like, oh, they're so wrong because they wanted to do this, that, and the other. I'm just like, well, maybe they're comfortable with that right now, but I totally trust the Lord. I do believe that we are coming into a new age, and what I call the next age. And, and a lot of these little systemy things that we made, and some of them we made really big, they're going to start falling apart, and people are going to be like, what do I do now? And they're just going to be like, ta-da, it's me. And you'll be like, oh, there's Jesus. I want to see him. I want to see him. And and, and I'm so grateful that I have seen him a couple times in visions and stuff. And I, I, I didn't even know that I could do that. I didn't know that, that he could do that. But I share that with people. The reason that I share with people that I saw Jesus is not to make myself special. Because I don't think that's making me special. I think we already are special. And the reason that I share it with people is because I believe that Jesus wants to do that for everyone. He wants you to see him. He wants you to see, Jesus wants you to see him in, in a body. He wants you to see him. You know, I hear stories of him showing himself to people in Iran and different places. Oh, well, that's, that's how he has to tell them because they don't have the Bible. And I'd be like, you don't understand. They don't have the Bible. I understand that. But they haven't been taught that they can't see Jesus. That's why he can show them that. People close doors through the things that they teach. They teach, they tell you to shut this door, shut that door. You can't see Jesus. You can't fly. You can't do this. You can't do the other thing. And people are like, oh, I can't do any of those things. So I'm not going to try. And Jesus is like, dude, the door is open. It's not shut. They're telling you it's shut, but they're just standing at the gate. They can't close that door. What, what doors God opens, you can't close. They stand at the gate and tell you not to go through, but they didn't close the gate. The gate doesn't close. Heaven doesn't close experiences that we have, being able to see in the Spirit, all of those things, they were never closed. They've always been open. The only thing that closed it was the people that stood in front of the gate, which are actually evil spirits, not people, mind you, so don't like blame people for this. They were evil spirits that stand in front of those gates, and they say, you can't go through this gate. You can't see Jesus. But not what, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus said, you know, as a matter of fact, one of the requirements for, for the bishops and elders, because we're talking about hierarchy, is to see Jesus. <laughs> That's one of the requirements. It says it in, the, I'll, I'll show you the scripture here, but it says it in the scriptures. That's one of the requirements is to actually see him. Well, Jesus had been in heaven when they wrote that. So how are they seeing him? You see what I'm saying? So, so there, are, there is this happening and it's not a requirement as in the law. Again, everybody, it's you feel comfortable when things are rules because it, it gives you kind of this grid that makes you feel comfortable that you're okay. But, but he said, I sent my word, Jesus, who says you're okay. But we wanted the rules instead. It, man is like this. They want that security of rules. Even in the Old Testament, Jesus, you know, God, you know, Yahweh, is saying to um, Israel, um, I, give you, I gave you judges. And, and they're going to just basically just take care of stuff for you. If you have some issues, people get in a fight or whatever, you got some lawsuit or whatever, the judges will take care of it, okay? And they're like, nope, we want a king. 
You're like, why do you want a king? You know, the king is literally just going to take all your money, take your land, and take your wives. That's what he's going to do. It's going to be terrible. No, we want a king. Why do they want a king? They want that earthly structure. Instead of living out of the heavenly structure that God gave them, they want to make an earthly structure. And you know what God said? He said, okay. He said, but this is what's going to happen. And guess what? All those things he said would happen, happened. But we still do stuff like that. We want some type of physical structure, be it whatever, you know, to replace our relationship. Don't do that. Just, it's tempting. I, I, it's tempting, I know. It's tempting because you're like, oh, I know, especially if you're, if you're religiously trained because you're like, I'm good at this. <laughs> Listen, I know, I know. I'm, I'm one of them, but very high trained. I can just do it the way that they want me to do it. I'm good at it. You know, according to the Apostle Paul, that's a pile of poop. That's what he said. It's just dung. Those are all works of men. It means nothing. God says, love one another as I have loved you. You know, operate out of the goodness of God. Let us see Jesus. Don't listen to all those voices and say, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. That's the devil. The devil doesn't want you to see Jesus. Are you kidding me? Well, what if it's not Jesus? Come on give me a break. You're telling me that you're good. What did Jesus say? If you ask for a fish, is he going to give you a scorpion or bread? Is he going to give you a stone? No, he's not going to give you that. He's going to give you the, what? The Holy Spirit. And what's the Holy Spirit do? He reveals Jesus. Hello. (laughs) It's all right there in the Bible. So we can see him. We can see God. And, and where do we start? In our heart, because it's the eyes of your heart. So this is why when we pray, you know, and I do these prayers and I'm explaining them, where we say, let's go down into our heart when we pray. Well, what's in our heart? Oh, the heart of man is wicked beyond imagination, Jamin. No, no, the heart of man is, but not a heart that's one, one spirit with the Lord. I'm talking about going in the spirit. So you've got to make sure you know how to rightly divide the, the word of truth, the Bible says. You can't take a scripture out of context and tell people you can't do something because of a scripture you took out of context. Kind of like seeing Jesus. You can't take a scripture out of context and just say, I'm going to build this out of that. If you look throughout the Bible, you can see a theme. <laughs> All the scriptures say this stuff. That's how you know you're, you're on to something. When you, see th- when you see agreement in many different places, then you know you're on to something. You know? And so there is these, and sometimes we use words that summarize it. But those words may not necessarily be specifically outlined in the scripture, but because this concept is throughout the scripture, you can use a word to describe all of it. Redemption, salvation, all of these things. Now, Yeshua, who is, you know, that's Jesus' name, that actually means Yahweh saves. So that is a pretty strong word, but that's because that's a very important topic. That's literally the entire point of the scriptures. (laughs) It's the whole point, Yahweh saves, right? Because it wasn't Yahweh destroys, it was Yahweh saves, okay? So the message of the gospel is Yahweh saves. That's a theme right there, so we know that. But there are other themes in the scripture, such as seeing. You know, you can see. Why is it important to see? Because it's not just the knowing, it's seeing and knowing. And this is where God's bringing us. So in the future, and it's happening already, I'm just saying, like, I believe in the next, over the next five to ten years, it's going to be significant. I know there's kind of a little pushback here and there, it, it's not going to work, but the the idea that people can see things in the spirit and see angels, see people in the cloud of witnesses, see Jesus, it's going to be very common. 
And there's going to be kind of like a, um, a point that I, I believe in the future where it's kind of getting closer and closer. And then there's going to be a, a click over. And when that happens, it's going to be very prolific. A lot of people are going to say, and, and it'll be very effortless. And why is that? Because we're coming into another time. Uh, and, and the time that we're coming into is the time that is referred to as the revealed sons of God. Sons of God are on the earth, and they're coming into a point now where they're going to be revealed. So what, is gonna, what you're going to see is um, things like um, when people preach, that you might see light coming from their mouth, like light beams. They've had this happen already. Um, there's people that have come together in groups that all had the same vision about Jesus, and they all came together into the same place. One of them was a stadium of people in a country where they weren't allowed to worship Jesus. But Jesus appeared to all of these people. It's like, I think it was tens, maybe 100,000 people. And, they, and he told them who he was, and then they all heard a message to say, go to this place at this time. And they all just appeared there. This is the higher way. I can't make a system that does that. I can use the internet, but they shut down the internet. The internet is a lower realm. The higher realm is the frequency of heaven. It's the spiritual realm. I can get information across in the spirit much faster than the internet. <clears throat> and so can you. What do you think prayer is when you pray for a person? And then you can move time and space. I won't get into that today, but you can. You can move things where when you're praying about a thing now, it could affect things in the past or the future. You know? Why is that? Because you are um, multidimensional. And you have that ability to do that kind of thing. So Jesus has given us sight, okay? And he's giving us, he gives sight to the blind, right? So I once was, was blind, but now I see, right? And what am I seeing? I'm seeing him revealed. And um, let me get you some more scriptures here. You know, so it is important to God that we see. It's important to him. He, why? Because... It's because it's relationship. It's relationship. What if you had a relationship with a person and you never saw them? Well, you'd want to see them. So again, open the eyes of your heart to see him. This is an activation point. You could actually pray. You could say, God, open my eyes to see. And as you do, you'll see. You see? So like sometimes when I preach a little today, you see the lights. What are the lights? I believe the lights are the uh, Ophanim angels that are coming with revelation and light to people. No matter where you are, God sees you too as a spirit. He knows you, and he sees you where you are, and he ministers his love to you no matter where you are. He, he, he's not judging you. You don't look to judge. You look to love. Remember that. You look to love and to nurture. What are we nurturing? The God thing. Are we nurturing the not thing? No, we're not nurturing the not thing. The not thing is sin. Don't nurture sin. <laughs> it's a not thing. It doesn't exist, right? 1 Corinthians 9.1, you know, um, am, I, am I not completely free and unrestrained? Absolutely. Am I not an apostle? Of course. Haven't I had a personal encounter with our Jesus face to face and continue to see him? That's what it says. And look, I'll show you this. Come on. Come on. Let's just show this. 
There it is. As plain as the expression on your face. Am I completely free and unrestrained? Absolutely. Am I not an apostle? Of course. Haven't I had a personal encounter with our Jesus face to face and continue to see him? Emphatically, yes. Aren't you all the proof of my ministry in the Lord? Certainly. Certainly you are. We can see him. And we should behold him. If the Bible says, as we behold him, we are changed, that infers that we can see him. <laughs> I'll show you that one. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of scriptures in here. Okay, so we have, I mean, this, this could be really filled out more. This is why I was saying, like, there's so much to this. Um, let's see here. Hebrews 2.9, but we see Jesus, who as a man lived for a short time lower than the angels and has now been crowned with glorious honor. Okay, that's Hebrews 2.9. Of what he suffered in his death, for it, was God by, for it was by God's grace that he experienced death's bitterness on behalf of everyone. But we see Jesus. We see him. You know, I, I even remember, and, and re ask the Lord to remind you too. Ask him to remind you if you forgot, because you may have forgotten when you saw him. It happens. You saw him. Right. That's, and that's what happened with me when I was little. You know, we, we did, a, we did a, uh, a communion. It was, well, it was, yeah, it was not in the middle of the night, but it was actually at a service. I was eight years old. We took communion, and I saw Jesus on the cross. And he told me that if you were the only person in the world, I would die for you. And I knew it was him. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's amazing. And I think we all, and so we, it, exactly, we all have these experiences to different degrees. But but don't turn away. Keep looking at him. Keep looking at Jesus. And even if you, you know, one of the things you can do is you can remember the time that you saw him and start from that spot. You're remembering that. Now you're seeing Jesus. Continue in that. Continue to see him. He gave you that. You know, I've had, when I was eight, I had that. And then over the past three years, I had two different experiences where I saw Jesus. And, um, and they were glorious. He just, it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. Remember that. It's not, because he is the word. People say, you need to know the word. That means you need to know Jesus personally, because he is the word. <laughs> It's a, and you can sense him. Yes, yes. And everyone that, absolutely, and every person that I've spoken to that has shared these experiences, we've all had very similar experiences with him because he may or may not say something. He may say something. Sometimes people need words. That's fine. The ones that I had with him, I didn't need words. The first one when I was eight, I had words, but he spoke to my heart. When he was there and I could see him, he didn't say anything, but he didn't. He did not need to say anything. <laughs> that was complete. That was completely unnecessary because he was saying something through frequency, and it was incredible. So what happens sometimes when you're in? Because we talk about being in the presence of God, but guess what? You're in the presence of God right now. He's in you, and you're in Him. And so as we're engaging, so what I say is, you're in the presence already, and then by your heart, by your intention of your heart, you connect with the presence of God. You just 
boom, and you're there. And then you become even more aware of him. You can sense him because he's not far away. You are, so you can say, well, is this by faith? Of course it's by faith. Everything is by faith, but you received the faith of God. You can do these things. You're very powerful, you know? Can I open my eyes in the morning? (gasps) Apparently I can. Well, you can do other things too. How about that? (laughs) You know, but it's by practice. If you tell yourself you can't do a thing, you're not going to ever do it. Right. I can't see. I can't. Well, no, you can see. You can. So this is, I, I really feel like the Lord is leading us into this place where we practice seeing. What do you mean by practice? You're practicing. No, I just mean you just engage with the Lord and look, you know, of what, he's, what he is. So we see Jesus as a man. And then in, and then in 1 Peter, <clears throat> hold on a second, see. I mean, look at this one. Jesus said, um, hold on one second. This is in Matthew 21. Um, Haven't you read the scriptures that says the very stone the builder rejected as flawed has now become the most important capstone of the arch? This was the Lord's plan. Isn't it a miracle for our eyes to behold? So you can see throughout the scripture that it's important for our eyes to behold things. Even when, when Israel would have a miracle happen, they would set up a, a monument so that in future generations, people could come and behold the monument. And when they looked at the monument, they would remember what it is that God had done in the past. So there is a visualization here, phys, you know, naturally and also spiritually, you know, where you can behold a thing in the spirit. It isn't necessarily... Um, you know, it isn't necessarily because you have to, it has to be proven. It has to do with our interaction with God. Seeing is not you proving him out. Seeing is just a natural progression of who you are as a spiritual being. You are a spiritual being, and so you can see the Lord. You know, I think what happens is there's a couple things about seeing that you'll have to remember. When you do see, okay, we have, we have a adversary. Who's our adversary? The devil. He wants to keep us from moving forward. Okay? He's not our enemy. The enemy's death, but our adversary is Satan. And so Satan, which means Diabolos or the resistor, will try to scare us. Why? He doesn't want you to look. <laughs> so I've had times where like I saw like um giant like principalities, you know, like they're very Spiritual wickedness, you know, those kind of things. They are a little, they're a little more ramped up than your run-of-the-mill demons. And, um, and they're intimidating. And I've had some experiences where I kind of, like, looked at them, and I'm like, because you don't want to, you know, wrangle with them. That's not your thing, right? But that's not their thing either. Because, see, when we position ourselves in heavenly places in Christ, we have authority over every last one of them, and we don't have to be afraid. And if any of them tries to make you afraid, you can just say, in Yeshua's name, in Jesus' name, I resist you, and I refuse to be afraid. And you just tell them that. But don't do it out of your own like inner strength. Do it out of the, the authority of Jesus. Jesus defeated you on the cross. You are not allowed to make me afraid. And I resist that. 
You know, you are not allowed. That is, that is, that is unlawful for you to do that to a, to a child of God. And I am not afraid of you. I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I rebuke the fear. I rebuke it. Okay? Because this is what he does. He plays with our mind and tries to mess with us. Because he knows we can see. A lot of people who naturally see, because it comes easier for some people because they just, no one ever told them they couldn't, <laughs> basically. It, you try to scare you. Yep, yep. 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 And that's what happens a lot of times. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, and, and I think a lot of times we end up with a... Um, kind of a um a hesitancy you know because of past experiences and so what what god is helping us to do is first of all instead of thinking about the experiences that were negative think about him okay think about him think about the lord don't feel like you have to go do something okay because a lot of Religious activity is based on the premise that you have to do a bunch of stuff. And it's hard to break that. It's really hard to break that. I can tell you from experience, you feel like you got to go do something. So if someone says you can see in the spirit, oh, let's go practice seeing. Why don't you just, ch just chill? You don't have to do anything. Okay. So what you do is just meditate in the Lord. Start in that spot. Just meditate in the Lord. And then the Lord will show you. He will lead you into it. That's all I'm telling you. If I, tell, if I teach that the Lord wants you to see, well, then he's the one that's obviously going to lead you into seeing. You know, if we say, oh, I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to see in the spirit and see the other dimensions of God. Well, don't, you don't have to do any of that. You're already in. He knows what he's, yeah, he, he's not, exactly. And you know what? The other thing is you're already in. You're already in the, you're in the end. You can't, you can't be any more in than you are. Like, oh, we have a new club. Well, it's not as big of a club as the one you're in right now. It's, it's the best club that there is. It's, it's the kingdom of heaven. So let me show you this one scripture. Um, this is the one I'm trying to. Hold on one second. Let me show you. So... I'm trying to find the scripture that I had in there before. It's probably in this one. So basically what we're seeing is, is that the more that we look upon him, and that's just a thought, because what else do you want to see anyway? You know, you would want to see Jesus. And, and so you go in, you, you, you look upon his face. And what does that mean? That means you, if you use your imagination when you start, that's fine. Or you kind of sense the frequency of the love of God, which I just call the sense of God's love. And, and when you just say, I'm going to intentionally activate or, or become aware of how much God loves us. Okay? <laughs> so do that a few times. One of the guys um, said that... Um, when you see a person, what do you do? You hug them, 
right? Because you love him. And so the Lord told him, and everyone's different, but the Lord told him, hug me. So, well, he can't see God to hug him. So he hugged himself. So as he's hugging himself, because this is, this is what we call prayer, okay? As he's hugging, he's hugging God. And that was his activation point for becoming aware of God as he just hugged God because he's becoming so aware of him. He's tangible. You can hug him because he loves you. I know that there's a religious voice that is out there telling him, you got to get this together. You got to do this. You got to do that. You can't just love God like that. You got to do all these things first. That is a demon. Just that's a not thing, right? Love God. As we behold him, we're changed. Not as we get our act together. A lot of people don't go to church because they're trying to get their act together. You don't get your act together and go to church. You just enjoy the Lord. Just go. Just go. Just enjoy the Lord. You know, people don't want to engage in spiritual activity because they think something's wrong. Well, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, there's something wrong with your thinking. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. Your thinking, your thinking needs a little help. And that's why, we're, that's why we teach is to help with the thinking. But you're not broken. You're good. God says you're good. There's also a teaching out there that you're broken. It's like the everybody's broken teaching. I don't even know where this thing came from. Like, everybody's broken. Amen. We're all broken. Praise the Lord. I'm like, what do you mean you're broken? God's like, hey, I have a whole bunch of broken people. <laughs> he thinks you're amazing and you're not broken. You're a, you're a holy, righteous son of God. You are, like, you are amazing. <laughs> you are amazing. You're not broken. People, like, they think the thoughts that they have and the experiences they've had in their life have done something to them in their spirit, but they've done nothing to you. You're super powerful. But what happens is, is because we don't realize that, we live out of this false identity, this false identity of being broken, this false identity of being wrong about everything, this false identity of being far away from God, and God's trying to get to you, and you can't get to him because he's so far away, and I almost got him, and he tried to... It's all just imaginations. It's stuff you've made up in your head because you haven't thought about who you really are in him. Jesus' work is complete in you. Jesus' work is complete. It's complete in you. You're complete in him, the Bible says. Complete. Done. You're done. You're complete. <laughs> He's like, well, you... It is. So, and, then, and then the Bible says, now live out of your completeness. Live out of that realm. You're complete. Now live complete. Be complete in him and now live out of that completeness. Not trying to attain. It, you, you will, I'm just going to say it, you will do amazing things. And you will be so astounded when you do them. And you will be like, I didn't even know I could do that. And the Lord's like, I know you didn't know. That's why I had to show you. You will do amazing things. And the Lord will be like, that's my boy. That's my girl. You guys are awesome. That's the, I mean, it really is how he thinks about us. It really is. And, and he's done so much work <coughs> to convince us of that. He spends all the time convincing us of these things because we thought we weren't. We thought we were broken. We thought we were messed up. We thought we were this. We thought we were that. And the Lord's like, no, you're, you're pretty awesome. By, by what we call false identity a broken mindset, a mindset that had been infected with a disease called sin that Jesus cured us of. So then he says, Be, remind yourself. Remind yourself of where you are. Remind yourself of who you are. You know, there's a, there's a, um, 
there's a kids movie that Disney made called The Lion King, and and there's a scene in there where um, uh, Simba, who's who you know his father dies, you know the the bad guy takes over the kingdom, and he's kind of living out in the desert with uh, you know his two you know two buddies, and um, and there's a scene in there where um, he comes to this pool. And he looks in the pool, and when he looks in the pool, instead of his reflection, he sees his father's reflection. And then he looks up, and he sees a vision of his father. And his father tells him, remember who you are. And that's what God's telling us. Remember who you are. He wants us to see our reflection, but in him. We are reflected in him. We are not reflected in in our broken activity, in our broken mindsets, in our broken thinking of ourselves. He's saying, come into who you really are. You're not broken. I have saved you. I have set, what does he call us? The pearl of great price, the treasure hidden in a field, right? The lost sheep. All of these expressions he gives us are expressions of value. You're valuable to him. You're valuable in his sight. It's not a selfish value. This is, a, this is a value that he has put on us because he is love. He does not operate like we do. He does not think like we do. He is not discernible <laughs> with words. It is impossible to define God with, with words. It's just impossible. <laughs> we try anyway, right? We try. Hey, I'm trying. <laughs> We're doing our best. <laughs> you know, it's totally not correct, but it's kind of correct. And it's correct enough to use a word to say it, right? So the mystery of God and the mystery of the kingdom is just beyond words. So I'm, I'm going to get this one scripture here. I'm going to get it. I really am. <clears throat> um. <laughs> I'm going to find it. I know which I know there's a. <clears throat> Okay, so in 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And, thi and this is actually, well, actually, I'll read the whole thing. Verse 17, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 says, Now the, the Lord, okay, let me show it to you in the, in the Passion, because I've been reading Passion all day. Yep. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is, Lord, there is freedom. There is freedom. Freedom to what? Freedom to engage and to see. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. In other words, because he's talking at the beginning about the veil that Moses had to put over his face because he was literally shining and he was scaring everybody. So he had to put a veil over his face so they couldn't see his glory. But this says, but we draw close to him with the veil removed. There is no veil between us and God. There is no separation between us and God. The veil was only there for us. It wasn't really God who put the veil there. We put the veil there. Just like the veil that was put over Moses, he put that on because the people were scared. God didn't want a veil there. He wanted them to see the full glory. But because they were so scared of God, they had a mindset that was all wrong. They were slaves. The Israelites were all a bunch of slaves. They, they had this slave mentality. They were scared of everything because, I mean, think about what the, what the pharaohs used to do to the Jews at the time. It was terrible, right? So now here they come out into the desert and God's like, hey, let's get married. 
And they're like, ah, no, let's not. <laughs> they were terrified of him. So here's Moses, and he's shining like the sun coming down off the mountain, and they're like, we're dead. <laughs> you know, that's what they thought. So Moses was like, I'll be put a veil over, right? So some people feel like they need to have that veil, but it says here, we can draw close to him with the veil removed. We don't need, we have the freedom to move in the spirit, the freedom to be, to be one with him and to see Jesus unveiled. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. If you're looking at him face to face, who are you looking at? You're looking at Jesus. And what is happening when you behold him? You're so now you're so like, what reflects? Diamonds. You know, what are you made out of? How are you reflecting? This is amazing. What are the what's the mystery here? There's something, right? We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So think about what's happening as we open our eyes to see him. We begin to reflect him. And as we're reflecting him, this brightness is now coming off of your face. This is why when people, like you see people sometimes when they're in their spirit and they'll start to shine. You're like, what are they shining? They're beholding Christ. They're looking right at him. Listen, we don't need any, we don't need um, what's the word? Referrals from the earth. We don't need a referral. Who's your referral? I don't need a referral. I have the spirit. And so do you. Your, your, your referral is God himself. He's saying, you're good. You're good. I had a whole message called, you're good. <laughs> That's all it was. It was about you being good. You're good. You're good to go. Because there's this idea that there's something wrong with you and you've got to fix yourself. And God is saying, you're good. You're good. <laughs> you can't say that. Yes, I can say it. He says you're good. Because what is the change happening? It's this reflection of glory. As we behold him, we are changed. And look what it says. Increasing brightness. So it's kind of just like, you know, on your little phone when you turn the flashlight on and you just go, boop. It's getting brighter and brighter. And, and we're all getting brighter. We're all getting brighter. You know, you look at the stars in the sky, they have different levels of brightness. It's just as much in the spirit. You also have different levels of brightness. Right, right, right. That's why I say, go unveiled. Go unveiled. Don't put the veil in front of you. Don't put something in front of you. Don't put some type of work. I have to do this. I have to do that. Just behold Jesus in, in your heart. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, why don't you try? So let's try. Everybody, close your eyes. Let's close your eyes. <sighs> okay, let's rest in the Lord today. Just be quiet. Just say, mind, you're a great servant, but a terrible master. Come under the dominion of the Spirit. Yes. Now let's just be still. Maybe focus on maybe an image of Jesus on the cross. Maybe a, a, an image of Jesus ascended into heaven. Maybe a, an image of, of just focusing on your breathing. Just quieting your mind down. Becoming aware of him.
may be becoming aware of his love, how much he loves you, how much he loves everybody. How his whole love is holding this whole thing together. It's changing it. His love is changing the whole earth. All of creation is changing now. And we are changing. Thank you, Lord. And we go in through the blood of Jesus. His blood cleanses us from unrighteousness, so we are right and holy in him. As we approach him, the throne of grace. Yes. So you just look. <laughs> Certain things happen more you practice. Thank you, Lord. I saw a few things. Huh? Mm -hmm. So as you do that, as you practice, this is a type of prayer. It's called meditative prayer. Thinking on the Lord could be the cross, it could be Jesus, it could be uh, heaven, it could be your garden. You just kind of, by intention, go there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're just intentionally going there. And then allow the Lord to lead you. Allow him to love you. Just allow him to love you. That's not always easy, you know. You're like, oh, God loves everybody. Yeah, but allow him to love you. Sometimes, you know, we used to sing that song, I Surrender All. I Surrender All, right? Because what are we surrendering? We're surrendering that part of us that just says, I got it. I don't need you. I say, no, not only do I need you, everything I am exists in you. You are everything. Even Jesus himself. Of myself, he said, I can do nothing. Didn't Jesus say that? That's what surrender is. He is my everything. He is my all in all. Without him, I can do nothing. I surrender all. You see? Very simple. And as you go in and let him love you, you don't have to. <laughs> He's not forcing you to. But he wants you to know that he loves you. And the more that we surrender, the more love we receive in us, our capacity grows. You're expandable. <laughs> you can expand. It's great. <laughs> filled with the Spirit. Filled with the joy of the Lord. Filled with the love of God. All very simple and easy way. 
That's right. It's a simple, short method of prayer. It's an easy way to go right in. Just be like, God, you can love me. Be quiet and let him love you. Right? He is greater than us. Okay? (laughs) He is greater than us. This is the reason why sometimes we are overwhelmed. Because he is greater than we are ourselves. And when we open ourselves to him, his greatness overcomes us. So that is all very good. I am saying a bunch of stuff there. So if you get it, you get it. That's it. So there you have it.